the European season is just a little over halfway done. So Jack and I talk about mid-season review, going over the best 11 in the top five leagues, as well as the major storylines that have defined the last five months in club soccer. Stick around for it. Leave a rating if you enjoy the show. We appreciate all of that jazz and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another deep dive episode of The Final Third. My name is Jack and I'm making a return after being Yay. away on vacation for the past Monday episode. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be back. Well, not happy to be back in Minnesota given that I was in Florida <laughs> and I had like a temperature swing of about 70 degrees. But, you know, still uh, happy to be back recording on the podcast. As always, I'm a fan. Chelsea. Somewhat unfortunately, after the performance this weekend or the, uh, on Tuesday, I guess, Tuesday, yeah, yeah, against Brighton, Atalanta, the French and U.S. national teams, and of course, Minnesota United. And I'm joined yeah. here uh, with someone who was on the podcast on Monday, which is AJ. Yeah, I was on the podcast soloing the episode. I'm glad you're back, Jack. And I'm a fan of, uh, you know... The best teams in the world, West Ham United, uh, maybe not after this past weekend, <laughs> Minnesota United and the U.S. national teams. And we are very excited to talk about what we're going to be talking about today because it's the deep dive episode, which means we go uh, deep into one particular topic surrounding soccer. And this Thursday, we are talking about the midseason. We're reviewing how this European season has gone so far, the best players, the biggest storylines, and really recapping things up as we head on to the back nine of this season. Before that, Jack, you know, you were just on in Florida and reading some tweets. It looks like you're in Disney World and you saw some football jerseys. So why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I did see quite a few of them. Uh, one of my favorites was seeing a Chelsea fan and an Arsenal fan standing next to each other in a line. <laughs> that was uh-huh. pretty entertaining. I saw quite a few uh, MLS jerseys, some Nashville, Columbus. Okay, okay. Uh, we saw, let's see, I saw Atlanta. I'm thinking Orlando I got, City at all? Yeah, I did see or, uh, some all Orlando right. City as well. I, Orlando Pride as well. That was Ooh, pretty cool good, to see. Good. So getting, getting all sorts of, of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't do like what I did when I was in California last summer and taking track of every single jersey I saw this time. But I, I still think the Chelsea and Arsenal one, that one's pretty yeah. good. I, I don't think they enjoyed standing in line next to yeah. each other for Space Mountain there. Oh, Space Mountain, a classic one. I, I really hope that uh, for some coincidence or something, they had to sit right next to each other on the ride. That would, that, really that would have been perfect. That would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Jack, thank you for coming back and not leaving me stranded for another episode. <laughs> I'm glad that you're back and to, here to talk to us about the midseason. You know, we're halfway, a little bit over halfway uh, through this season, which means that we can talk about some of the biggest storylines on and off the field that have happened this season in the big five leagues we are focusing on the big five leagues and also before we get to any of that give our best 11 of the season thus far so if you've been following this podcast at all you know that we love to do this we love to give our season review or mid-season review talking about the best 11 but we're cutting it back a little bit because before we'd really get into it so for the sake of time and for to really highlight the best of the best 
we are doing a best 11 and five honorable mentions throughout the top five leagues. And, you know, you know, Jack, I think, kind of focused on sharing the love. I was just focused on the best players and building selfishly the best team. I don't care about, you know, if, if, if you're from a Liga or Serie A and you don't fit my team, you don't fit my play style, I don't want you. But, <laughs> Jack, before we get into probably the goalkeepers where we usually start off, what is your, like, formation for your best 11? Uh. I, I mean, you could either see it as like, I actually know it, it, it's a three, five, two. I was about to say maybe a, a <laughs> okay. five, three, two, but uh, with my left and right mids, I don't think it would work quite as a uh, five, three, two. So three, five, two is the way it is with uh, one defensive minded midfielder and two more attacking minded midfielders. Okay, cool, cool. Well, I... Depending on how you look at it, it could be a 4-4-2 or maybe a 4-2-4. Uh, I know in the past, I have been very, very bad at creating balanced teams. I think the season review, I might have had all players that can score goals. Even the center backs were like the, the leading goal scorers for yep, center backs that, that, in the league. I leagues. believe that's correct. Yeah. It, maybe even my goalkeeper could have scored some. I don't know. But I, I really wanted to focus on building at least a balanced team that can at least win some games. So I went with a 4-4-2, 4-2-4. So, Jack, let's get things started with the goalkeeper. Keep in mind, this is top five leagues only this season. So from August to now, and more focused on the league. Maybe, I don't know, Jack, I guess we didn't talk about this, but maybe some Champions League, but mostly on their league performances. I have... A, High doubts that we'll agree on this goalkeeper pick, Jack. So walk us through your pick. Yeah, well, I went for someone who I don't think many people think of when they think like, oh, the absolute best goalkeeper. All right. But I've actually gone to Spain for this one. Okay. And I've gone for the best defense, uh, actually in terms of any top, uh, top five team, uh, which is Sevilla. And I've picked their goalkeeper, oh. who is Yassin Bounou from uh, a Moroccan goalkeeper. He has nine clean sheets in 17 matches, saved 50% of his penalties, 38, 38 uh, saves that, that, he's faced, uh, that he's made, uh, only one error this season. He, he's been very good, and a big reason why Sevilla have won such a good defense, mm -hmm. and also you know why they're actually challenging Real Madrid for the title they they are honestly the most the the closest contender to uh real madrid in terms of a title race right now so yeah i i think that he's a pretty big part of that so that's why i've chosen him nice well that that is a good pick i'm glad we didn't <laughs> agree right away <laughs> because i also picked a goalkeeper that people might not think about as the standout goalkeeper in a league and jack would you agree with me when i say that I don't think a lot of the the top goalkeepers that you normally would think as being the best or from those big teams, I don't think a lot of them have really made a huge name for themselves this season in particular. Would you agree? Yeah, I don't think that there's many that, that would have done that. Maybe Ederson for Man City, yeah. but, but maybe. But is that him or is that the defense? It's, it's more the defense around right. him, yeah. So, And that's why I, I went with 
someone who is in a lesser team, but is definitely the reason why they're so good. And that is actually Flecken of Freiburg in the Bundesliga. Ah, good choice. Yeah, he, he's a top, a top goal scorer, top goalkeeper, I should say, not goal scorer. That'd be crazy. Goalkeeper, <laughs> according to who scored. And even going beyond that, I think that he is one of the better goalkeepers in terms of just pure shot stopping, especially when you look at his XGA minus GA. So that is how many goals is he expected to concede and how many did he actually concede? And when you look at that stat, he's in the top 97th percentile with an eight goal difference. And it's led Freiburg to the third least goals conceded and now sixth place in the Bundesliga. And you wouldn't really think of them as a European challenging team, yet here they are. Uh, and he, as a goalkeeper, has the second most clean sheets and concedes less than a goal a game. And the thing that really cemented his place on my best 11 was the fact that he's been out with COVID for the past two games and they conceded seven goals. About one third of their goals <laughs> conceded in this entire season came in the two games that he did not play. If that's not proof that he is a difference maker in goal, I don't know what will. And the fact that he came back just it to play in the DFB Pokal and they won 4-1, kind of think it tells you a little bit about his quality there. So I went with him. Um, I think he's a good goalkeeper. Jack, I think your pick is also good, very unique. Glad we didn't pick any of the obvious names. But now here is the point where we start. We might start doing that in the defense. All right. Well, Jack, why don't you walk us through your uh, defenders? Yeah, well, for defenders, uh, starting with my left center back in my back three, I went with uh, William Saliba of Marseille. He's on loan from Arsenal. He's been very good for Marseille. Marseille may not be in a title race per se with PSG, but they have the best defense in the league. And he has played nearly every game of it. He's been really influential in keeping Marseille's defense uh, sturdy. So, I mean, very talented young player. I would be shocked if Arsenal don't, like, actually include him in their team when he comes back from his loan this summer. Uh, He's developed into a really good player over this loan stint. So, uh, and and in fact, honestly, one of the best in in the world, in my opinion. and not actually not best in the world, best this season. Let sure. me let me let me clarify there. And then uh, on the right hand side of the defense, I have Jonathan Klaus of Lens. So both okay. my league on players in the defense. Lens is not necessarily the biggest club that you would associate with in terms of league on success, but they're in seventh place. Pretty decent in terms of uh in terms of goal scoring, pretty good defensive record. But Jonathan Klaus has been one of the best players in league on, in my opinion. Uh, he, he's been fantastic. He's been a mostly deployed as a right wing back. I put him in right center back because I felt like I had to include him in this. Right. Uh, really good player. Best, most assists in the league as well. Very big, uh, very big threat down the right hand side. He's a really talented player and I wish that uh, maybe the French national team would call him up. I, I think he would right. be a better option than any other right back we have. So uh, that that's those those are two of my defenders. And my last one, I might have let a little bit of bias show through on this one, but I ah, put Thiago ooh. Silva in really? there. Really, I I think he has been one of the better def- better center backs 
in in the top five leagues. You know, when, when he plays, he he always has a certain calmness to the back line. And even when Chelsea haven't been great defensively, he's always putting in an amazing shift for a 37 year old uh, making goal line clearances, you know, all, always willing to get into a good tackle and uh, is great at reading the game. Some of some of the best reading of the game uh, of a center back. That's what the experience will do for you. I, I think he has been really influential to Chelsea. Originally, I was thinking Rudiger, but I was going to say, I, I feel like a lot of people have. Yeah. If they're going to pick a Chelsea defender. They'd pick Rudiger. I know a lot of a lot of people would. And he is great. But I think Thiago Silva is just for for the, for the fact that he is 37 and playing some of the best matches and some and like playing some of the best football of his career, honestly, at, at this age is pretty impressive. So I, I've, I've got to give him props for that. Uh, very, very talented player who honestly give it give him a lifetime contract Chelsea oh, just do wow. it have him, have him play until he's 50 why not okay all right well I'm glad you're not their sporting director because yeah <laughs> it's probably for the best uh, I'll start off with my fullbacks or against my center backs left back I went with Joao Cancelo of Manchester City Mancy are top of the league and he scored for them one goal and five assists and the x factor for this for me was the fact that Pep Guardiola loves to rotate a lot. He loves to rotate players, even if it seems like they are totally fine to start. But Cancelo has been ever present in that city backline, playing in 21 of the 22 matches this season. There's really no better left back for progressive movement and attack creation. He's in the top 1% in terms of progressive carries, passes attempted, and progressive passes per 90, and at the very least, top 5% for expected assists per game. He's also a part of a defense that's only conceded 13 goals. Obviously, I think that he is a very good defender as well. He can do it both on both sides of the ball. So I have him in uh, the left back spot. In the right back spot, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with the Premier League. And I think everyone knows who I'm about to say. It's Trent Alexander-Arnold of Liverpool in that right back spot. I, looking at the stats, I already know he's a great player. I, I already know that he's literally world-class the best right back in the world right now no fullback can compare but when you look at the stats it's mind-boggling in just 19 matches he's had 10 assists and two goals nobody can match that attacking output as a defender he's in the top one percent for progressive passes expected assists shot creating actions and assists per 90 when you look at the rest of the stats he's literally top of the table in terms of assists and not just for fullbacks for literally every other player in the league any position top assists as a defender he's top of the table in crosses and key passes and big chances uh created and he's fourth in through balls again as a fullback there's been games where he's been more present in attack and more important for liverpool than any other player that's not named Mohamed Salah like he is just that good so that's why he's my right back spot really can't overstate how good he's been this season center backs you know I think Cancelo speaks Portuguese seeing that he is Portuguese so I went with two Brazilians I believe they are in my center back pairing okay, okay. and they might not be who you think I'm gonna say center back I have Marquinhos okay PSG the captain is on good form, very good form. And when you look at the other players on PSG, Mbappe, Di Maria, Messi, and Neymar are also good. 
But to me, Marquinhos is a standout to me. Not only has he been really ever present in a PSG team that has gone through a lot of change in the last couple of years, but he's also a very good ball progressor in my mind. Top 10% uh, in most metrics. He's And I think another X factor where I'm looking at this team is that he's been a very good leader. And maybe it's a bit wrong for me to look at some of the soft skills, but when you look at how he's dealt with all these different big names coming to PSG and he's still been a very good leader controlling that back line to almost perfection, I think that you have to give some props to that. Uh, the other center back is, again, I, I went, just like with my goalkeeper pick, to someone who has had to deal with a lot of balls coming his way and had to deal with them. I'm going with Bremer Bremer of Torino in Serie A. And I remember watching his games against Udinese when Torino played Udinese and he scored a goal and most recently against Fiorentina where they shut them out and they they put four against them and he was great in the defense like Torino have only conceded 20 goals third best in Serie A and that's Torino of all teams and he's been <laughs> one of the best and most underrated center backs right now. In pretty much every defensive measurement he's been in the upper echelons of other comparable center backs and is honestly a major reason why Torino has been on the form that they are. And he's only 24 too, so I really think that he could make a move up because he's just been that good on the defense for Torino. So I have one center back that might be playing balls for a bit more and one that's definitely a, a rock in the defense. All right, so that, those are my defenders. I'm pretty proud of those picks. Jack, why don't you walk us through uh, your midfield, the entire uh, five line, I guess. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to go from left to right on this one. Uh, starting with the left side, I went for a name that maybe not might not be the biggest name in, in the world, and maybe not the one that you'd think of when you think of, you know, coming from a strong team, but Sassuolo's Domenico Berardi is who okay, I've gone with. Okay. And the reason why, he's got 10 goals and 8 assists this season which, you know, is pretty good for a left mid slash left winger already. But then you find out that that accounts for 50% of Sassuolo's goals yeah. this season. Wow. This season. Sassuolo is struggling. They're in 12th place in Syria. They aren't doing great by any metric. But he has been a bright spot in their season and honestly has been one of the better players in Serie A this season. So that's, what, that's where I've gone with on the, the left-hand side. To compliment him, I, I chose someone else in midfield from Serie A, and I went with uh, AC Milan fans' worst enemy now, uh, which is Hakan Chalanoglu from Inter Milan. Absolutely. He's been really fantastic Absolutely. for Inter. It, it, it's honestly <laughs> one of the signings of the season because they got him on a free transfer yeah. from their rivals. Uh, that. That is huge. He's chipped in six goals and seven assists. He's controlled the midfield well. He's dictated play very, uh, very astutely. Like, you know, I, 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 I think that that if you're not calling this one of the better transfers in this in this past season, uh, then you don't watch enough Serie A, honestly. Uh, he, yeah, he's simply been great. put, simply put. Yeah. So I, I that's that's who I've gone with uh, in the center of midfield for one of them. Uh more of a defensive-minded midfielder as well. I couldn't go through this list without putting a Manchester City player on it as much as I would have liked to not have one on here, but 
I did put Rodri on this list. Okay, uh, interesting. I think he's. I, I think he's been. Uh, you you said you know Joao Cancelo has been their best player or like one of their best players. Mm-hmm. I honestly think it's Rodri. He has been. He he dictates the play pretty well. He breaks up play. He's capable of starting attacks and. You know, I, I I still think one of the biggest reasons why City lost the Champions League final is they didn't start him. Mm-hmm. That was one of the biggest mistakes they could have made. And it it shows because, you know, I don't think he played in any of those three games where Chelsea beat uh, Manchester City in, in uh, like last season. Yeah. This season, he's played against Chelsea both times and kept Chelsea attacks to a minimum. I, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I, I think that he's very influential to how they play. Uh, if there's any city fans out there listening, tell me if I'm off the mark on this, but <laughs> that's, that's just what I've gotten uh, from, from his performances this season. Uh, and my last central midfielder that I've got uh, is from Bayern Munich. And I've gone with Thomas Muller. Absolutely. Always. I, every time you think that he's had the best season he could have, he, he just, just gets keeps better. He's getting better. Like, on, honestly, uh, 16 assists he has this season 16 <laughs> assists i i mean that that's just crazy he he only has five goals sure but come on 16 assists halfway through the season there like there was a time when he got 21 assists uh, i think two seasons ago i was like that's the ceiling right there but mm. no it, it doesn't look like it uh really fantastic player only seems to get better with age had to inc- include him on this list uh, and also just a funny, a funny guy as well. That's that, that, that's got to yeah. count for something. <laughs> and finally, my last midfielder, my right midfielder had to be Mohamed Salah. I mean, absolutely. What, I, I'm sure you have, you have him on your list in your forward line or something Maybe like not. that. Oh. No, I was <laughs> kidding. Okay. Uh, come on. I, I don't know what else to say about it, about, about him. 16 goals, nine assists, Liverpool's most important player. Uh, yeah, uh, he he speaks for himself. I mean, I I I'm sure you have more stats to back to back I that did, up yeah. because. But uh, I mean, come on, it it speaks for itself. That was the first name I wrote down. Yeah. Uh, it, spoiler alert: I also have Salah on my best eleven. I, I got some stats for him, and you know, now that we're on the topic, I'll, I'll spring it up. Uh, starting on my right wing spot. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it, this is a four-two-two-two, which is fine, okay. and he okay. would be a right winger. And I think that he would do pretty good there. Uh, but yeah, you're right. There's Salah, there's literally no comparing. I, I'd say, would you say he's been the best player of the season if you had to pick one? I, I think it's between him and one other player that I have on the list. But okay. he's definitely pretty high up there. For me, it's between him and maybe two other players who are conveniently also attacking players in my front line that I'll talk about a little bit later. But at least in the Premier League, he's definitely been the best player. He's the current Golden Boot leader, six goals ahead of second place with 16 goals. He's top in XG in terms of the table, yet he's still outperforming it by 1.5 goals. All of his attacking stats are in the top 5%, if not top 1% of all other attackers in the world. The way he just manipulates defenders, gets past them, and creates goals out of seemingly nothing. Like, Liverpool aren't amazing, but he makes them look like they can beat prime 2009 Barcelona single-handedly almost like looking back at his goals against like uh, Manchester city and Watford. Like those are like really goals that you're going to look back 
at for the next couple of seasons. Like he's that good. Not much else can be said about him without saying the same thing over and over again. He's just really good. He makes Liverpool great. And that's why I have him and Trent on my team. Cause I think they'll complement each other well. So I'll go back into my uh, central midfield double pivot, I guess, starting with the more defensive minded person. And <sighs> Jack, I just had to do it. It's Declan Rice. It's Declan oh, Rice of, of West Ham United. You, you know what? I let my bias sink through for one, for one pick. I think, I but think it's, it's fair. bias. He's a great player. <laughs> maybe it is a little bit biased. Like, I can definitely think of some defensive midfielders that may be better than him. But at least in the Premier League, I really struggle to see a player that's head and shoulders above Declan Rice. I mean, he's played every game but one. He's in top in possessions one in the league he's been really the heart and soul of this West Ham team and why they're surprisingly still in fourth place right now his 2.67 interceptions per 90 makes sure that the ball stays with West Ham at all times which is uh in the top 10 or so percent I think of all other defensive midfielders and it's not just his defense but also his ball retention going forward his pass rate of 90.4 percent stands head and shoulders over most players in his position and his progressive carries which i think is one of his strongest suits per 90 ranks in the top 10 percent of all midfielders not just defensive midfielders all midfielders in all top five leagues without him west ham are simply just a shell of their former self he's already in my opinion within the list of top 30 players in the world overall and for this season i would definitely put him in the running for don't even shake your head at me (laughs) in the top 11 uh right now maybe that's a hot take but he's just been good and i'm gonna be really sad when we sell him for like 150 million dollars in the next coming summers jack is that too much a hot take or is declan rice actually good He's good. I'm not sure if I'd go as far as you're saying to say top 30 in the world, but hey, he is. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that he is very good. If El Ace and El Ounce can be a top 30, then so can Declan Rice. <laughs> Wecklin Weiss. Yes. Uh, so I, I for my more advanced central midfielder, I also let my bias show a little bit. I actually think this is a really good player and maybe deserve a spot more than Rice. It's Dimitri Payet of Marseille. Oh my god, what? he's gone for all West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, uh, yeah, for my strikers, I'm going to go with, uh, uh, I went with Antonio. No, no, no. But I, I honestly think, like, I, I've watched a couple of Marseille's games, and I think, hot take, even though Marseille are just the second best team in france currently third but definitely in my for my money the second best team in france you might not pick him but like he is just that good he's top in key passes per match big chances created in the entirety of liga he's been really the creative brain of this team he scored seven goals and assisted eight more and that accounts for more than half of all of marseille's goals just him by himself he is like like Marseille live and die by him there's no single for the way I, I see it and I, I I looked at a bunch of other players there's no more single important player for a team in the top five leagues than Payet is for Marseille at this level that Marseille plays at which is like challenging for the Champions League I, I struggle to see a team that's so almost dependent on a single player than Marseille is with Dimitri Payet like he is just miles miles ahead of a lot of players in that position so i went with him maybe hot take 
maybe another hot take, but a, maybe a, even more justifiable is my left winger, which is Vinicius Jr. of Real Madrid. 12 goals plus 4 assists this season. Great leaps and bounds he's made, and he's only 21. And I think the most important part about him is how he can link up with any striker that's playing in front of him. He's linked up with Benzema in elite ways. As an attacking threat, you'll rarely see anyone better. His finishing and his chance creation are just really, really elite. It puts him among the best in the world in terms of XG and X assists. So really, you know, on the wing, he can drill past almost any defender. You've seen the highlights. He's really, really good at it. He can create a chance, and all while he makes sure that he retains the ball and keeps it glued to his feet like he is that good. And I think in any team, no matter it's Real Madrid or whatever team he might play for next, he's going to be great. And why? I don't think that uh, Kylian Mbappe should move to Real Madrid because I think Vinicius Jr. is the attacking thread that they should build around. That's also a hot take. I don't know. Jack, how, how do you rate my midfield choices? Good, bad, a bit too biased? <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's pretty good. Uh, I, I think the Dimitri Pyatt pick is, is a bit of a sleeper pick. I, 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 I was tempted to include him, but yeah. didn't. Uh, but yeah, all, all justifiable. Maybe yeah. Declan Rice, a little bit of bias, but I'll excuse it since I put Tiago Silva in my okay. defense. Okay. So okay. It's fine. <laughs> I, I also think your midfield is pretty good. I, I'm very interested to see what would happen if these two teams would ever play each other. Yeah. Yeah. It would, it would be interesting. I don't, I don't think we've had... Have we had any overlaps besides Salah? I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. But I, That's... I, I feel like we're going to have some for our front two. So Jaguars. Yeah, I do, think so. Do you want to go striker by striker? Uh, sure, we, we can do that because we both have two. So yeah. uh, first one that I've got, and I'm guessing you've got him as well, Kareem Benzema. Yes, I do. I, I, I yeah. don't like him still because he took <laughs> Olivier Giroud's rightful place in the French national team. But uh, he, he's been really good this season. 17 goals, 7 assists. Uh, he's kept Real Madrid in a lot of games and up towards the top of the table. So, I mean, yeah, he's been really important for them. So I, 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 don't, think I, I, I don't think I could pick anyone else, really, if I'm being completely honest, uh, uh, up top. Yeah, I mean, you really can't pick anyone else because... When you watch Real Madrid play and you see him have the ball, you're like, okay, well, it's something is going to happen here. And something usually does happen because he's in the top 5% for expected assists and expected goals. Like, it, it, when you see on the score sheet, even if you don't watch Real Madrid and you see Benzema in the 30th minute or whatever, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I, I don't know what happened there, but it makes sense that Benzema would score because he's just that much of a prolific striker, even at his now getting to an advanced age like he is uh like spanish wine is there wine in spain i have no idea i think uh, there's wine everywhere okay <laughs> he's aging like a spanish wine or french wine i guess because he's french you know what this analogy sucks <laughs> moving on jack who is your other striker i'm guessing we also picked the same one here yeah obviously luke dion let's go oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> uh no it's robert Lewandowski. Yes, yes. uh yeah it it had to be uh, he's got 23 goals uh, in in the first half of the season. More th I, I, more than a goal a match. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Uh, I mean that that's not that's not even outside the norm for him at this right. point. But uh, it's it's incredible considering he's 33 or 34 now, uh, getting getting up there in age. But he's he he's still playing really well. 
Sure, you can say, oh, Bundesliga is a farmer's league or whatever. It's it's not just that because he does it in the Champions League, too. So, uh, I mean, he he's a great player. And I think that that it you, you've got to include him if you're talking about the best 11 of the first half of the season. I part of me wanted to be different and pick someone else, but I put that player in my honorable mention. So uh, I'll, I'll save it for that. All right, cool, cool. I obviously picked Lewandowski as well. When you look at all the stats, he's on top of everything, right? When you look at when you look up prolific, amazing goal scorer in the dictionary, a picture of Robert Lewandowski's face smiling as he breaks another record appears right next to it. Like it is, he's that good. And when you look at the stats, I I, I watched the the Cone game that Bayern played, and he scored a hat trick. Scored a hat trick. Uh, the game before that, Borussia Mönchengladbach, they lost, but he scored a goal there. Game before that, before the break. Wolfsburg scored a goal there against uh, Stuttgart. Two goals, like, and, like, like, and uh, it stops there. But even then, like, he just is so so good at scoring goals. Like, I, I have nothing else to say. Like Lewandowski and Saul are like the two players I think are. Just, you, it just goes out saying that they have been amazing. Like, if you've seen any footage of them play this season, they're just amazing. I'd say Benzema is probably the third best just because he's been that good for Real Madrid. But Jack, in terms of honorable mentions, uh, do you want to walk through yours? I know I I just picked whoever I wanted to, but I know you had an actual system, uh, one per league, I believe. Yes, I picked one player per league. So let me let me go through each of those for uh, starting off with the Premier League. I picked Jao Cancelo as as an honorable okay, mention. Okay. I, I I felt like he deserved a place in here. He just didn't fit the system that I had going on. So I I just I, I just decided to le- to leave him in an honorable mention position. Uh, for league on, Canadian fans will be pretty happy. Ooh, Jonathan David. Jonathan David. I he is the top goal scorer in league on. He's right good. Now. He's good. Despite Leo being pretty bad this season. Uh. You know, like compared to last season, uh, it's it was always going to be difficult to be good for them. But fantastic. Twelve goals. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, La Liga, Vinicius Jr., like you said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very good at dribbling, very good finisher. And he's improved a lot this past season from Serie A. I went with Sergei Milinkovic Savic. Good pick from good Lazio. Pick. Uh, really important how Lazio plays just Really good player all around. Uh, great midfielder. And then for the Bundesliga, who I wanted to pick but couldn't find a place for him in the team because I had to pick Lewandowski and Benzema, I went with Patrick Schick. He, he has been really good. Mm-hmm. Continued the good form from the Euros. He's got 18 goals. Second top goal scorer in, in the Bundesliga. Kind of speaks for Absolutely. itself. He, he's, he's a really good player. Really promising stuff for... Uh, li- oh God! Why am I forgetting the t- team he plays for? Leverkusen. I'm gonna check that while you get your <laughs> honorable right. mentions. All right, I will. I'll go through my honorable mentions again. I just picked random ones that uh, I thought were good. Jack, do you have his team yet? Because I, I, I don't know why, but I'm also blanking. I want to say Leverkusen. Uh, I, I guess I, I don't watch. I, I, I feel like it, I feel. I feel like it is, but. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I should have just trusted my instinct. It, it is Leverkusen. Okay. Okay. The, the second <laughs> that you mentioned it, I started doubting myself. I was like, "Is it Leverkusen, or am I just like confusing like the the, the millions of uh, strikers that exist like in the <laughs> Bundesliga that are pretty good?" So I don't know. Yeah. 
Anyways, uh, my defender that I picked, I guess I didn't really have a, any set position either. I just literally picked names that I liked. Uh, Diaz, uh, center back for Manchester City. Yeah, I, I went with another City defender. He's a huge talent in defense. I really can't overlook that City defense, so I went with him. Uh, in the midfield-ish, I went to Chalanoglu, Inter Milan. Key pass merchants, one might say. Really, really good. Jack had him in his 11, and hard to really overlook him. In, uh, I guess, the left wing, I picked Vinicius Juniors because I, I, I thought he was really good, but I also really appreciate Kylian Mbappe with PSG. I think in terms of the, what is it, M&M uh, trio yep, up front, yep. he is the better of the, of the acronym. 10 goals and 8 assists and creates chances on the left wing like nobody's business. He might be the only one that's not underperforming and performing at the level that he needs to be. So good job. Uh, if, if Vinicius Jr. wasn't doing really well at Benzema, he'd definitely be up there. More attacking midfielder. I want Thomas Mueller. Obviously, 16 assists. Can't overlook it. Jack said enough about that. Uh, for striker, I went with Vlahovic, Vlahovic of uh, Fiorentina. Currently tied for the golden boot in Serie A, despite only being 21. And he's playing on a good, but relatively unspectacular team in, in Fiorentina. No offense to Fiorentina. I have my, my flag right here. And, you know, I, I still like them. But obviously, he's going to make a big money move to some club. And he deserves it because he's definitely been a great performer in Serie A this season. Jack, <laughs> do, you think, do you think that your, uh, your team could, could do well in one of the, the domestic leagues if you had to plop them in there? Oh yeah, I I, I think so. I, I think they I think they they do pretty well in most leagues. Uh might struggle a little bit in the Premier League, but I think in most other leagues they'd be pretty good and right. pretty pretty well off. All right. I'm 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 feeling the same way. I think we walk Liga. I think we walk the <laughs> Bundesliga. I think we finish mid table Serie A. I don't know why. I don't know why. Serie A is, is a lot more competitive than yeah. people give it credit for. La Liga, we crash out of the top four at the last minute, Leicester City-esque. <laughs> and Premier League, we, uh, we do really well the first season, Leeds-esque, and then just like Leeds, we struggle the second season. I don't know why that makes sense in my head, but it just makes sense in my head. All right, let's move on to some storylines that have happened in the midseason. Uh, we asked some of our Twitter followers to give us some of their favorite storylines uh, from this season, and uh, well, I'll talk about some of them now before we get into our ones that we have chosen personally. Uh, so these are storylines that are start, started in August or have developed since then and really encapsulate the season so far. So first is Solid Dominance. Brian, the people at Bryant and Me podcast uh, tweeted that at us, and yeah, Saul has been dominant. We've talked about it. I mean, again, not much to say about that. 16 goals as a winger, very, very good. Definitely been a defining factor for not just Liverpool, but the Premier League as a whole. And also the Kane saga. Harry Kane, Jack, if you remember, way yep. back when August uh, made up a, a big stink about wanting to move away from Tottenham after some pretty underwhelming seasons. Yet, you know, he was on a big contract. Daniel Le Levy decided to lock lock him away in in his tower like a, like a, a a princess or something rapunzel yeah that's, rapunzel that's sure yeah that's I, was like, you're looking for. <laughs> I know there's a lot of princesses that get locked in rapunzel i, guess, I was just in the... disney so you yeah, know right. it, okay. it came easy it came easy. all right all right and 
and yeah, he he, he didn't get sold. And and as, as I mentioned in that Twitter comment, his form has definitely dipped because of it. Last season, topping goals and assists. Now, still scoring some goals, but definitely a shell of his former self. And I wouldn't doubt that that had a lot to do with it. And going off that, I did want to mention, Jack, the Lukaku saga that lasted about five days, but definitely was the top of the headlines for a good half week. And that's because he tried to make good with Inter Milan fans by saying that he hopes to someday come back to Inter Milan at the same time that upset Chelsea fans. And at the same time, he also mentioned how he didn't like how Tuchel was using him and his system. Obviously, that is all water under the river under the bed i don't know the, the, under the bridge is there. bridge <laughs> yeah bed what am i saying i i don't have a water bed don't worry <laughs> and that was quite the weird week wouldn't you say jack especially as a chelsea fan yeah and i will say the chelsea fan base is still pretty upset uh yeah. a lot because he said don't worry i'm gonna apologize on the pitch and Chelsea fans are left to ask, <laughs> when? <laughs> when are you going to apologize on the yeah. pitch? Because I don't think he's scored a goal since that I, interview. Definitely Except, not. Actually, definitely no, not. I, I, I misspoke. Against Chesterfield, he did score a goal. Oh, yeah. my, my mistake. I'm Mighty sorry. Mighty minor Chesterfield. Yeah. I, the, I, honestly, a, a CFC on better form, might I say. Uh, so <laughs> they were, that, that, oh, that's what I'll boy. say about that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's really funny. All right. Well, uh, Jordan of the Stateside Show uh, tweeted us, you know, just the U.S. Men's National Team logo. And even though that's not a club, I guess I'll mention it because it all the World Cup qualifying was literally all just this season. So the USA are currently second, third in World Cup qualifying, I believe. Second. I guess I should, we're, second, we're second. Yep. Second to Canada going into uh, the back half of the World Cup qualifiers and I, I guess the way that you can really define this work of qualifying is Burhalter maybe getting a little too cute with the, the lineups and not putting out the, the players that we need to win, whether that be a draw in El Salvador, then a draw against Canada at home to a, a pretty lackluster performance in Honduras that got saved by probably the player of the season for this World Cup qualifying, which is Ricardo Pepe uh, saving us then to a pretty bad loss away to Panama because he decided to go with a lot of MLS veterans or players that might not have really done the job. And then at the same time, with those uh, pretty bad lows, we also have really great highs with beating Mexico in Cincinnati 2-0. to zero. So I, I think those epics highs and epic lows really encapsulate the U.S. men's national team season as a whole. I, I think it's also worth saying... Uh, in terms of U.S. men's national team players, a lot of great performances from those Absolutely. players in top five leagues. Weston McKenney has been a bright spot for Juventus this season, despite the rest of their season being pretty meh, pretty mediocre, yeah. to say the least. Uh, Chris Richards has been shining for Hoffenheim Absolutely. on loan from Bayern Munich. Uh, Ricardo Pepe made a big deal, uh, a big transfer to Augsburg, where he has played two games so far. Scored a goal that got called off for a foul, but still looks like he is settling in nicely there. And uh, of course, Christian Pulisic maybe started the season a little bit better for Chelsea than it's going now, but has been getting 
a pretty consistent amount of game time. Maybe it's not in his preferred position, but, uh, you know, U.S. men's national team players are still making waves around those top five leagues. Mm-hmm. And going even beyond that, even though they aren't playing too much now, Serginho Des, Tyler Adams, going on beyond the five leagues, we have Pfock, Aronson, Aronson doing very well. And yeah, just a, a lot of good things. John Luca Busio, I can't believe I forgot him. Oh yeah, of course. Daryl DK is hopefully going to tear it up. Kind of d- destroyed someone, like tackled someone to the ground uh, for West Brom this past weekend. Really funny. Uh, well, good championship from, stuff. Yeah, right there. Uh, championship stuff. Josh Sargent is. Well, you know, moving on to other topics. No, I'm just kidding. Josh <laughs> Sargent forced an own goal, so he gets a mention as well. All right, Jack, uh, moving on to some of the stories that we compiled that really uh, summarize the season so far. Do you want to give uh, one of your storylines of the season? Yeah, uh, I'm going to start with League On because I think it, it, there's a pretty big storyline there. You know, last season, PSG fell off a little bit. They, they lost the league title for, uh, the, for only the second time in like the last 10 years, which was not great for them, especially yeah. after they didn't make it to the UCL final either. So. Pretty bad season, but this season they've reasserted their dominance. Only lost once this entire season. Uh, plus 24 goal differential, 50 points halfway through the season, or a little bit more uh, over halfway. 11-point uh, gap, pretty good. Uh, so they, they've reasserted their dominance. On the other hand, Leo have fallen off quite a bit. Uh, they're down in eighth place. Uh, they've lost five. They have a positive two goal differential. and uh, But the big story with that, isn't necessarily that Leo are doing poorly just because, you know, it was an unsustainable patch of form. It's that their head coach, Christophe Gaultier, has gone over to Nice. And, and where are they? They are second in the table and yep. are doing pretty well for themselves. Yep. Second best defense in league on, tied with PSG on that. Just not scoring as many goals, but still doing very well for themselves there. Pre- pretty good performance and shows just how good that head coach is honestly uh christophe gaultier definitely a top coach uh so yeah uh that that's that's the main story there that uh but since since i since I'm t- i talked about the french league i also wanted to mention an honorable mention since we're only really focusing on the top five leagues france recovered from a tough sun- summer uh at the national team level to win the nation's league that just made me happy to see uh, that that's I, I just wanted to mention it because it did happen this season and I was very happy for it. Jack, I'm happy that you're happy and I'm happy that, you know, I was thinking about the other day, like I, I feel like a lot of this podcast is criticizing as like criticizing teams as a neutral and really like dissecting like where they went wrong. I feel like that's a, that's a pretty big part of this podcast. and. A lot of that is Barcelona and their economic troubles, <laughs> and I, I just I just need to say like Barcelona's one billion dollar euro debt, which is three hundred million of that is literally transfers, has really <laughs> handicapped the Spanish giants. We've talked about it a lot, so I'll just run through it. But it, it's caused uh, quite the dominoes to fall for this team. Uh, it was a major reason why Messi wanted to leave. Even if he played for free, they still wouldn't be under the Spanish limit for salary spending. It's why they couldn't re- register Depay and most recently Torres until they sold off players to reduce wages. This meant offloading for both Messi and Griezmann and reworking the contract of Nabele to make those players 
fit in and to be able to register them. This has led to a reliance on younger stars like Pedri, Gavi, and Garcia, and the results began to reflect this, with the club midway through the season finding themselves mid-table a little bit better now, and if they couldn't make the Champions League, they'd miss out on all that money, entrenching them in debt even more. Speaking of the Champions League, they failed to register a shot on target for the first half for the first time since 03 and 04 and got booted out into the Europa League. And all of this has cost Komen his job, which cost them even more money. So they keep on getting into more and more debt. And now they want to buy even more players. Murata, maybe? Question mark? Probably not. But yeah, that debt has definitely been a major reason why A, Barcelona are doing so bad. And B, why them, Real Madrid, and Juve still are going with the Super League, which has also been an ongoing story. So Barcelona's economic troubles, very, very bad, and definitely a major storyline that has really snowballed out of control and will definitely continue into the second half of the season. Jack, anything else to say before you move on to uh, your second storyline? Uh no, I, I mean you 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 covered uh, Barcelona's ec- economic troubles pretty pretty well. Uh, just kind of a dumpster fire over at the Camp Nou. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that, that's that's the best way to describe it. But you know what? You 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 talked about uh, about Spain a little bit. So let let me talk about a team in Spain. You know, I, I thought maybe it might be interesting to talk about Real Madrid, but you know, I I, I think there's a bigger story that I really wanted to cover. And that's Rayo Vallecano. I probably butchered that name, but it's fine because <laughs> they're doing fine. They're, they're doing fantastic. Uh, they got promoted this past season. You know, they, they just got promoted from La Liga 2 last season where they, they, they were doing pretty well. You know, it, 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 uh, they, they, they got promoted via the playoff, via, via promotion playoffs. Pretty good for them. But now they're seventh place in La Liga and actually look like they could be challenging for European spots. They are only one point behind Barcelona in sixth place, and only two points behind Atletico Madrid in fourth place. Like, they, wow. this is actually a team that could theoretically challenge for those spots. They have a really solid defense, only 21 goals conceded, and they've got 27 goals of their own positive goal difference. I think it's just impressive that uh, that, you know, this is kind of... It could be kind of like a Sheffield United uh, situation or something like that, but uh, I, I'm really hoping not because they've they've been really good. Radamayo Falcao also makes a bit of a return, 35 years old, still yeah. a top, joint top goal scorer for the club. So very interesting to see how that's working out there. Uh, I, I I really like the look of this team, and I think that they could do. Uh, some interesting stuff if they're able to get into Europe. All right. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I, I always love when smaller clubs come in and really make a name for themselves. Uh, Rio Valcano have been a historical club. They have been at this level before, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's the likes of, like, if Norwich City came in and actually did good and didn't just <laughs> fail out. It, it's like that, pretty much. So, yeah, I'm really glad they're doing well. And speaking of La Liga and staying there for a third story in a row, let's talk about Real Madrid because you don't want to talk about them. So I will. Vinicius Jr. and Benzema have led Real to glory. No attacking duo has scored more goals and has had as much synergy as these two. And they're really the main reason why Real Madrid are winning La Liga and making it look easy. Their combined goals and assists is 40. 
with Benzema on the form of his life and Vinny finding his finishing feet, they've now scored more goals than the entirety of the Barcelona squad combined. Oh, man. Yeah. And they have a lot of other good players in the squad. Obviously, they're Real, Real Madrid. Yet, yet they still account for two-thirds of the goals scored throughout the entirety of the team. Like, this duo is amazing. Real Madrid, you know, the, the league is not completely in their hands. They still have to, you know, widen that gap a little bit more. But if they're going to win, it's going to be because of the wonderful, wonderful footwork of Vinicius Jr. and Kareem Benzema. So, yeah, I think that's been a major story. I feel like Vinicius Jr. is, even though he's really good and gets a lot of accolades, really one of the more underrated players. He's only, what, 21, and I rarely see him getting mentioned as a top youngster. A lot of people focus more on Phil Foden than him. Like, what's going on there? Like, he definitely deserves his fair share of praise. Uh, and yeah, Jack, do you have anything else to say about La Liga before we move on to other leagues? I, I don't have anything else to say on La Liga, but in terms of Phil Foden, the only thing he has above Vinicius is a worse haircut. Uh, yeah. That's that's about it. Yeah, let's just say his uh, hairline's a bit higher than Vinicius Jr. That's the only thing he has Yeah, on him. Yeah, and a bit blonder. Uh, but <laughs> either, <laughs> yes. e- either way, um, let me move on. Speaking of Phil Foden, Manchester City. Let's mm-hmm. talk about Manchester United instead. Okay. Uh, that's a pretty bad transition, but we'll work with it anyway. Man United have been struggling badly this season, but it, it's it's been an interesting question because who is really to blame? Like, uh, they, they've been okay at times, and it, it, is, it, is it really Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's fault? Is it Ralph Ragnick's fault? Is it their front office's fault? Is it the player's fault? Let's quick dive into some of that. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, of course, got sacked recently uh, after really disappointing run of form, including losing 4-1 to Watford. Yikes. Uh, definitely not not a great showing. And, and uh, can, can I say, didn't they, I just remember this, they lost like, what, 6-2 to two to like uh, Liverpool? Like they got destroyed by them? Uh, five to zero, but uh, I think worse. that's worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and they lost four to two to Leicester, lost one to zero to Aston Villa and West Ham. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was not a good season for uh, Manchester United and fans were kind of excited to uh, see Ralph Ragnick co- uh, come in because they're like, oh, he's done really well. But they haven't improved that much under him either. Sure, some players have looked decent under him, but they've still had disappointing results, like a 1-0 loss to Wolves, a 2-2 draw with Aston Villa, where they choked in the last 10 minutes of that game to concede two goals in five minutes. Not great. Uh, so is it is it their coach's fault, or is it just their players be not working hard enough? You know, we've heard rumors recently mm-hmm. of... Ronaldo kind of staging a bit of a coup, it seems, in the locker room of sorts. Uh, he's not happy with, with the system. He doesn't like having to press. Uh, he likes scoring tap-ins and penalties, obviously. Yeah, that. that's, uh, that, that's, that's what he likes. Uh, but it's, it's, it, it's just a dysfunctional club. They've got it to is. change a lot of stuff. Their front office hasn't been good either, really. Uh, Jaden Sancho has kind of failed to impress a ton of fans so far i i think that's fair i think 
he's definitely underperformed expectations to say the least. And uh, Ronaldo, I feel like kind of threw a wrench into things with, you know, Manchester United looked set to kind of challenge for a title. They got second place last season, but Ronaldo didn't really fit Manchester United's system. Mm-hmm. And it was more of a publicity signing, it feels like, than anything. So they've got a lot of issues that they've got to sort out. Uh, and I, I expect to see that continue throughout this season. You know, building off that, I guess I'll talk about Messi and Ronaldo's struggles, because as you s- said, although he scored eight goals and assisted three, he's never really lit the PL on fire in any meaningful way, in large part due to the other issues surrounding United. And I think with Messi and Ronaldo moving to their new clubs, PSG and Manchester United, respectively, I think that really was the story of the season. That, that's what people were looking forward to previewing uh, before the season began. And suddenly, now that we're in the season, not really much of note has happened for either of them. And I do think, yeah, that Ronaldo just doesn't fit Manchester United's system. I think that they can't really build around him in the same way as, say, Juve could when they were still good or Real Madrid can. And now that they have lesser players and they don't have enough pieces around him or pieces that really complement his play style, they just have struggled. And I I will say they got second place last season. They didn't look amazing doing that, to be fair. And I think Ronaldo made that even more clear. And I I think that Ronaldo's struggles throughout the season is a major storyline, even though he's been done okay comparatively to what he's used to he had that quote where he said i don't want to fight for a fifth sixth or seventh we should be challenging for the top three that should kind of highlight that he as a player and as a player on manchester united has fallen off a little bit same thing with messi maybe even more so with messi messi has done pretty decently well in the champions league but the predicted destruction of the farmers league known as liga at the hands of the goat has kind of been largely overstated and his recent bout with COVID-19 taking him out of the team has really encapsulated what his time at PSG has been like pretty forgetful while he's still you know a key part of the team like he you know he has those key passes he still is a very creative minded player that helps the likes of Neymar and Mbappe and Di Maria do well it just hasn't translated to the score sheet and just like what one goal and four assists in 11 matches He's only played 11 matches because he's dealt with injuries, fitness issues, now COVID, and he, you know, who knows, maybe he'll be out for a, a longer time. Overall, he just doesn't fit the verticality of PSG's system. Like, I understand why he made this move. It it doesn't hurt any less, like, seeing how he's had to deal with this and how anticlimactic this all has been. PSG's still going to win the league. You mentioned that. But it's not going to be because of Messi necessarily, and it it's kind of, it kind of sucks to see two of the greatest players of all time not be where they are previously. And I'll leave it at that. Jack, anything else to say about Messi or Ronaldo? Yeah, I mean, you know, last season we were kind of saying similar things about Messi at Barcelona because right. he wasn't doing too good about with goal scoring at the midway point. I think he had like seven goals or something. 
which was all right, but for Messi, not great. Sure. And then he went on to win the Golden Boot, I think, in, in uh, yeah, La Liga. Yeah, so who knows? Who knows? So you, you never know. Uh, if, if if he recovers from COVID and uh, or once he recovers from COVID, uh, you know, I, I think there's still a chance that he could do well, but definitely disappointing to say the least. Uh, but let's talk about some goal scorers who haven't disappointed over in the Bundesliga. Uh, there's four main players that I want to highlight because there's actually only four players with double digit goals in La Liga or in the Bundesliga this <laughs> yeah. season. Uh, we've talked about La Liga so much that I, that I slipped up there a little bit. Uh, what, there's two that obviously, you know, you would expect to see there. Of course, Robert Lewandowski's up there, 23 goals in 19 matches. Very good work for him. Uh, he he's, He's doing he's doing amazing work for a 33 year old uh, still playing very well. He actually he had a hat trick in his last game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really good stuff from him. Uh, I I think we can expect, uh, you know, we it's what we've come to expect from him. And of course, Erling Holland's done really well. He has more than a goal per game as well. 15 goals in 13 games. He had an injury in the middle of the of the the middle of the midseason, so I guess a quarter into the season, uh, he had a bit of an injury that he that he was dealing with. But once he got back in, Dortmund were scoring quite a bit more goals, and uh, yeah, he he's been doing well. So, but the two I want to highlight are players that you don't necessarily associate with prolific goal scoring. Maybe uh, I've talked about one of them already. Patrick Schick is one of them. Yep, uh, really great player for buy for. As we know now, Bayer Leverkusen <laughs> yeah. also has more than a goal per game. He uh, nice. he's 18 goals in 16 matches. Uh, he's been really good for Leverkusen. A big reason why they're third in the Bundesliga table, uh, contributing a lot to their 44 goals. Substantial portion of those come down to him. Uh, really good to see uh, him hitting hitting his stride a little bit because you know he he didn't exactly light it up. With Leverkusen last season, uh, he was okay for them last season. Maybe, maybe not at his best. He he had nine goals, uh, but eighteen now, halfway through the season, and he's doubled his tally. Really impressive stuff. It shows just how much the form from an international tournament can help a player. And the last one I want to bring up is definitely a player that I don't think many people have heard of really or really think about. But that's Anthony Modeste for FC Who? Cologne. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but he's got 12 goals for them. Uh, so pretty good for them. Col- uh, Cologne struggled with relegation last season. They were in the relegation playoff, if yeah, you remember. They usually do. Uh, yeah. So they they were not, I, I wasn't expecting much from them this season, but they are actually in ninth place right now. So they are literally as mid table as you can get in the Bundesliga. But honestly, given their history. Uh, in the Bundesliga, I think they'll definitely take that position. Uh, they still have a negative goal differential, but they've got 30 goals and a lot of it goes down to Modeste. Uh, 12 goals for him. He's been so important at 33 years old as well. I, I don't know. The Bundesliga just has a tendency to to get the best out of older players. Maybe that's where Messi should have moved to. That that's that that's what it was. Maybe that's where Ronaldo needed to move to. The Bundesliga. Yeah. That that's the place where you go, I guess. Yeah. Imagine Messi on Hoffenheim and Ronaldo on <laughs> Augsburg. That'd be great. Yeah, That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Ronaldo would love playing 
for relegation threatened Augsburg. Hey, <laughs> Ronaldo should really be humbled and grateful he gets to play against the greatest player in the world, Ricardo Pepe. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Alongside him, you know, he could yeah. learn a lot from Ricardo yeah. Pepe. Exactly, so. exactly, exactly. Well, how about I stay in the Bundesliga because you know you 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 touched on some of the the goal scorers. Well, one of them happens to be Robert Lewandowski, and he plays for you know the best team in Germany in the past hundred so years, Bayern Munich. And th- this storyline, I'm kind of lumping some teams together when I say the perennial favorites don't break their strides because you know last season we saw a lot of upsets, whether it be in La Liga, when we when we saw Atletico Madrid win, Lille PS with uh, usurping PSG in Liga, or uh, what was it Inter Milan? Yeah, Inter Milan winning in Syria, and one league in particular last year did not have a favorite uh, fall down, and that was the Bundesliga because Bayern Munich won again, and they're continuing their ways. Even us, Jack, when I look back at our episode titles, one of them was, can Dortmund win the Bundesliga? Oh, God. Because <laughs> many people suggested that Bayern may struggle adapting to Nagelmann's system. And that was aided by the fact that they were gaining some new faces like Upamakano, and they needed to settle. Yet they never, ever really broke a sweat. And even after a very contentious match with Dortmund that maybe should have seen them drop a couple points to all three, they seem keen on continuing their Bundesliga dominance. And as the saying goes here on this podcast, you have to bet on Bayern until proven otherwise. If you want to beat Bayern, you have to be perfect. And Bayern were pretty near perfect. They've had some slip-ups, particularly with uh, Munch and Gladbach of all teams. Don't know why. (laughs) I think think they got a draw out of them, and then they lost to them most recently. So... I don't know, it's in the water there, but they have they have Bayern's number. But overall, they have been perfect with Mueller uh, racking up 16 crazy assists and Lewandowski scoring 23 goals. This is a team that does not get phased by new faces on the team and in the management. Any shakiness with Nagelsmann's team showed earlier on is gone now. And Upamakano, the new center back, really has found his feet and has performed really well, now replacing the gone uh, Alaba. So really dominant they're probably gonna win uh you mentioned psg so i won't talk about them but they are obviously a favorite that came back to life and have not broken stride after signing a bunch of new players but the other one manchester city the huge Grealish saga and the kane saga seem to maybe hint at city not being as dominant as before after all not having a real number nine and an overpaid winger that honestly has not been playing too well can't be good for a team right they have to struggle right right no absolutely not not only has their defense seen stars like Cancelo and Diaz once again claim their throne as world-class defenders but the story of Manchester City under Pep Guardiola continues everyone steps up at the right time last year the main person was Gundogan this year as Jacques mentioned uh it's Rodri and Bernardo Silva and to a lesser extent but still there Raheem Sterling Gabriel Jesus there's no one player that is out and out like the single game changer. Even though you could say that Rodri and even Bilva are those players. But as evidenced by the fact that, you know, all their top scores and top assisters are relatively close in their sum, this is a team 
that is a team. Everyone can step up. Everyone can contribute, whether it's in scoring goals, in assisting, very fluid in positions as many players have played up front or uh, in uh, the attack. And it just works. And they know what to do. It's a really well-run system to the point where the more I keep on watching Pep lead this team, the more I'm convinced that without him, I think that this team would not be reaching the amount of points that they are reaching every single season because the way that he gets the most out of, out of this team and the way they just buy into his system is, is, is just mind-blowing. This next-up system that he's really implemented has led them to now going on to their second title in a row. So a lot of good news for City fans, maybe not good news for anyone else. You know, longtime listeners of the podcast will know I'm a huge fan of Serie A. And in fact, one of the first, um, I, I, I believe it was Jack in Time yeah. uh, segments, was talking about the history of the North v. South rivalry in Italy, typically Juventus versus Napoli. And while the Southern force is still the same with Napoli still going strong, the Northern force, could we be looking at a shift in the, those Northern forces? Because Juventus, you know, we've, we've talked about Juventus struggling a lot uh, this past season. We, we've talked about it on, uh, it feels like almost every episode yeah. because they, they seem to always find some way to mess up their system. But uh, I, I think that there's a brand new, you know, kind of trio of Northern giants all centered around Milan. You've got Inter Milan who won the title last year, look like potential favorites to do it again this year. Very, uh, they, they've got a game in hand and a two point lead kind of controversially after, um, some interesting refereeing decisions, uh, in the AC Milan versus Spezia game. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw that AJ, but that, that was a bit of a, no, I didn't. the referee wow. had a bit of a nightmare in that one. You, you might want to look that, <laughs> look right. up that one, but, uh, AC Milan after just decades of being not decades, years of being a dormant <laughs> power. Uh, have finally woken up and are really playing quite well. And it turns out what they needed was a bunch of older players. Uh, who would have thought, you know, uh, that, that's really what unlocked them. Zlatan, Giroud, uh, really helping them out. Despite losing one of their best players to their rivals, they're still keeping up the pace. And then, of course, we have Atalanta, who Boo. you know, might, might, might not be on the same level quite as AC Milan and Inter Milan. But they've you, you can't deny that they've put up some impressive statistics and they've mm -hmm. put up some impressive results uh, out, of, out of the last three Copa Italia finals. They've been in two of them, haven't won either of those two, but uh, they've been they've <laughs> been there. Uh, and, you know, uh, they this is now their third consecutive season of being in the Champions League. Uh, re really, really good stuff from them. And uh, Gian Piero Gasparini seems to be implementing a really fun style. And I feel like most people who are just like looking for fun teams to watch, watch Atalanta. Seriously. Like they're, they're just, they're just a fun team to watch They're uh, Even though their last league game wasn't exciting, a zero, zero draw with inter mm -hmm. the game before that was a two to six uh, <laughs> victory over Udinese, right. uh, including two goals in the last three minutes of the game. So Atalanta is just a fun team to watch, and I, I, kind of, I kind of like seeing that changing 
of the guard almost, even though it's it's mainly the two Milan teams that are that are doing quite well. Uh, I I just I just like chaos a little bit, I guess. Yeah, I I definitely like Syria and how it it does feel a lot more open than people give it credit for. And I I think pretty much teams one through eight are all entertaining. And I'd, I'd really in terms of entertainment value, I'd really compare it to the Premier League. Like if there is one of Inter or AC Milan, Napoli, Atlanta, Juve, Fiorentina, Roma or Lazio playing, I'm probably going to want to watch it. Because I, I I like the way that Serie A teams play. I like the presentation of Serie A. It's really cool. And now that we have players on Venezia, I also watch them. And honestly, like even the even the the player the players and teams that are supposed to be bad relegation fodder, also pretty fun to watch. So I'm really glad that things are are switching up there. Even if it is again, yeah, the Milan teams still very fun to watch. What's not fun to watch is nothing. Which is what's been going on a lot in some leagues because a lot of postponements are happening. And I think this is probably the biggest story of obviously the past two years with a certain uh, novel coronavirus passing around our (laughs) our respiratory systems. Uh, But also, especially in this past season, half season, in the past two months, because Omicron has really ravaged a lot of the world variant of coronavirus and has caused a lot of postponements, mass postponements even, most notably recently, the North London Derby with Arsenal coming under some heat for it. But December and January saw some really elongated breaks for clubs as postponement policy was heavily up in the air and fluid, leading to some potentially unfair circumstances. One might be Liverpool's false positives that saw them have to postpone their first leg of the EFL Cup. How much validity that has is them faking it, I don't know, but they definitely had something happen, whether it be actual false positives or weird testing circumstances or whatever, and that has really screwed up their schedule and made it harder for them uh, and everyone else that they have to play. Another example is Arsenal using their injuries and AFCON international list to necessitate a postponement and a lot of people including a lot of people within the league hires up in the league are concerned that arsenal used it not because they needed it but because the premier league just made the ruling too open open-minded not open-minded open open to interpretation and so they're able to use whatever means necessary to postpone a game even if it's unfair to other such teams and right now, the Premier League, they, they, they rule out postponements on a game-by-game basis. The general guideline is a match will go on with 13 available outfield players and a goalkeeper from the first team or a U21 team. And that is, of course, fluid, again, game-by-game. But this has led to 21 matches getting postponed. And the rulings for all these different leagues are different. Bundesliga, it's... If the club has 15 players, they play. In Spain, it's 13. Syria, they won't call off a match unless 65% of the first team is healthy and more than 35% have tested positive for COVID. Now, as we go on to living with Omicron, trying to deal with it, the PL may institute new rules to try to crack down on any abuse and really 
try to streamline the, the health and safety protocols that they're going through. But this is obviously still going to be a major, major story. Leagues across the world are going to go through postponements, and it's going to lead to a lot of really bad knock-on effects if games go on and uh, players get even more sick or fans get sick because there's a lot of fans in stadiums still. And obviously, when you postpone games, you're going to have to play them, and that means a lot of games in a very short amount of time, which obviously is not ideal for the player health perspective. Jack, anything else to say about COVID-19 that I didn't really mention? No, I think you covered it well. It's it's going to be an issue. It's been an issue since 2020, and it's probably going to continue to be an issue. And uh, it will be interesting to see if the Premier League changed their interpretations at all of that. Yeah, and I, I guess I, I, I could mention the vaccine part of that, where a lot of players may have not have taken the vaccine especially in the Premier League what is it Joshua Kimmich of a uh, Bayern yep. Munich was also a pretty vocal anti-vaxxer so we may see that that's obviously been a major storyline and a major storyline coming into the second half of the season might be a greater push to get those players uh, to be vaccinated as we've seen with in tennis Australia and uh, uh, Djokovic that can get hairy if the government really decides to step in. So we might be seeing, not to that level, because that was absolutely crazy, but definitely some level of getting boosters in, getting initial vaccines in, so we can really lessen the time that players have to be within their quarantine period. Okay, Jack, well, those are some of the biggest storylines this season, along with the best 11. Do you have any other... Uh, things to mention that we forgot to mention as a major storylines this season no i think i think we covered most of them but as we wrap that up i i did want to mention one quick thing because yeah uh were uh were you watching a specific uh you know league cup game today uh by any chance the the women the F- the women's league cup in england because uh, no i wasn't because our two teams played each other. Oh today. wow! Oh, West no. Ham versus Chelsea. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, and right, you okay. probably know. All you right. probably know how this went. All right. Um, Chelsea FC women won four to two, including a hat trick from Pernilla Harder. So uh, you know, we we may not have won against West Ham earlier this season on the men's side, but uh, our women's team is out there getting revenge there. So it was it's good to see Chelsea are into the semifinals of the League Cup there. West Ham bow out out of the quarter at the quarterfinal stage, but yeah. had to mention it since it was happening. Anyway, uh, if we if we want to mention some of what's going on in the women's soccer world, at least in England, Chelsea won the uh, FA Cup, the FA Women's Cup. Mm-hmm. I give up, leave that's name. Arsenal, I believe, are on top of uh, the table for the Women's Super League. I, they are twenty five points uh, ahead of Chelsea's game in hand, but twenty one points. Uh, tied with uh, Manchester United and Tottenham, but they got two games in hand for that. And uh, as we covered before, Chelsea making the 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 final of the Champions League in the the Women's Champions League last season. We we don't have to talk about the final itself, though. It's it's fine. Yeah, and we we also <laughs> don't have to talk about the fact that they bowed out just like West Ham did in the semifinals of the League Cup, but in the group stage of the Champions League. <laughs> quick mentions there uh so yeah jack now that we've wrapped up uh, all the stories of this season the 21 22 season thus far 
uh, where can people find out where to contact us, where to reach out to us, where to read our hilarious and funny posts? Where can they find us on social media? Uh, well, they can check it out at Final Third Show on Instagram and Twitter. Same account name for both of those. Uh, you can you can follow us on either of those platforms. We're way more active on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, try try and bring you uh, any news, any commentary on any big stories that are releasing that may not happen to fall on a very uh, reportable day for a podcast recording <laughs> yeah. per se. So if you're interested in hearing more of our opinions, you can check it out on there. Uh, and as well as our website, which is, I'm forgetting the actual final show.com. There we go. We don't, we don't actually own, uh, the, the domain. I mean, we do, it just redirects to our podcast website and that works perfectly fine. If you want to have a good hub, if you want to send that to a friend, maybe you can send them the link there and they'll be able to pick whatever podcast platform they want. And so, yeah, definitely check out that website. Uh, leave a rating or review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Spotify has just recently added in reviews, and we've had a couple people leave uh, their five-star reviews, and we always appreciate that. And as always, Apple Podcasts, you know, the, the, the go-to, the bread and butter of podcast reviews, definitely leave us a review there. Tell a friend about the show. Like I said, show them the website. I'm sure they'd, they'd love to have a good hub to check out. Just tell your dad about the show. Even I'm sure he would love to hear our best 11s. We'll see you guys next Monday for, I'm going to say, it's going to be a crazy Monday episode. I don't know what happens this weekend, but I'm saying it's going to be crazy. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next Thursday for a potentially U.S. Men's National Theme episode. Deep dive. Same time. Same place. See ya. Bye for now. <laughs>